Hi, and welcome to the Research and Innovation podcast. I'm Emily Humphreys, and I'm a PhD researcher at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, as well as working in public health. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Claire Matisova, who is also a PhD researcher at the University of Leeds. And we're going to be talking today about shared parental leave. Hi, thanks for having me. So this is all in the context of the International Women's Day 2023 campaign, Embrace Equity, which is asking whether equal opportunities are enough to achieve social justice or whether we should be aspiring to social justice driven by principles of equity. And shared parental leave is a really interesting example of this. But I thought maybe it would be helpful to start with just a basic explanation of what we're talking about when we we compare equality and equity. And the idea I always use for thinking about this is is a playing field. If everybody is playing by the same rules, that's equality. But if it's not a level playing field and some people have to run uphill, they're going to find it harder to succeed. So it's not equity. How do you think about this idea, Claire? Thanks, Emily. So, as you said, I'm I'm a student at the University of Leeds. I also work in an an equality, diversity and inclusion role at at the University of Aberdeen. So this topic is really important to me, both in my work and my research. And in terms of thinking about EDIs, historically, tackling inequalities has often been associated with kind of institutional compliance with equality legislation, you know, driven by the Equality Act and having an equality of opportunity focus, often kind of initiative led, focusing on individuals. But over the last few years, it's increasingly recognised that diversity work needs to go beyond that compliance, neutral equality of opportunities approach. So giving another scenario to to yours, Emily, one that I often think about is, you know, if, if everyone's given an opportunity to apply for an unpaid internship, for example, it looks like yeah, it's equality of opportunity. But actually, when you when you dig beneath the surface, not everyone can apply for that unpaid internship because of the different context within which they're working. And so really, we need to like dig beneath and understand what those barriers are. And we've seen a lot, you know, in anti-racism work, recognising the need to identify structural and systemic inequities. And so we've seen a kind of much more of an emphasis on proactive anti-racist strategies, appreciating the different starting points and contexts. So if we think about gender equality and International Women's Day, and we focus on gender, I think about, you know, the gender pay gaps is the thing that's often raised. And that really provides a snapshot of outcome inequities that we see in any given setting, whether it's the UK or or a particular employer. And what I wanted to focus on, what we wanted to talk about, why we want to talk about shared parental leave and parental leave is because the gender pay gap is linked very much to transition to parenthood. And it's that pay gap significantly increases on the transition to parenthood. And that is like... You can understand the impact of maternity leave, career breaks, working part time, flexible working on women's careers. That's the outcome of that is that gender pay gap. Yeah, that's really interesting, Claire. And actually, I think the gender pay gap isn't the only dimension of inequality here. So leave could be related to not only pay, but also having employment at all. It could be related to poverty. It could be related to lots of different health outcomes, things like uptake of breastfeeding. There's also plenty of research out there that says that it's related to infant mortality. And the gender pay gap is is just one dimension of all of these different impacts of different types of parental leave. So there's lots of different potential effects. And 
different countries have different arrangements in place for their for their leave, often for different reasons as well. Different governments might want to introduce leave because they're trying to reduce poverty, because they want to improve gender equity, because they want to improve fertility. Quite a context-specific set of arrangements. And to start with, could you provide a summary of what the family leave offer is in the UK? So, yeah, it's quite a complex picture as it is in in most countries. So in the UK context, just to give a very kind of basic summary, expectant mothers or primary carers are eligible to leave regardless of the length of employment service. Um, And that period of leave is relatively long when you compare it to other countries. So it's it's a relatively long period of up to 52 weeks. But if you then look at paid maternity leave or parental leave, so the statutory well-paid parental leave provision within the UK is is comparatively low. So the leave is relatively long, but the paid, the well-paid bit is relatively low, only six weeks, which roughly kind of matches wage replacement. And the other important factor as well is that eligibility is based on continuous employment with the same employer for that six-week statutory higher rate of pay. They Then you would then go on to a lower base rate, kind of flat rate pay for the the remainder of that paid period. Expectant fathers and non-birth mothers, partners are entitled to two weeks statutory paternity or partner leave. And again, that's at a low rate of pay as flat rate. So it's not, doesn't match your wage. And then we have shared parental leave, which was introduced in 2015, which enables parents to share up to 50 weeks of 37 of which pay, but that's based on curtailment or transfer of maternity leave. So from the mother primary carer to the father. And again, there's eligibility criteria. And neither paternity or shared parental leave include a, a statutory well-played element. So it's a really quite complicated picture with different entitlements for different parents, different entitlements for pay and time off work with job protection, and maybe quite difficult to navigate for some parents. How does equality and equity play out in, in this policy? Again, so trying to even trying to summarise it, you can see it's quite a complex picture. And and there's a as you mentioned, you know, there's the specific context within the country, historical, you know, the, the motivations that policymakers are driven by. And if we look at our like maternity leave, largely being determined by primary carer status or predominantly by gender. And so whether you're an expectant mother or an expectant father. So this is based historically on a focus on maternity rights and maternity protections. So if we think about that in terms of equity or equality, that might we might recognise that as kind of equity, recognising the specific needs of a group, i.e. women taking maternity leave and the physiological needs around that. And then if we look at, in comparison, shared parental leave, so that's articulated when it was introduced as giving parents the choice. So, you know, suggesting that parents are able to share that 50 weeks, it suggests in that articulation, it just suggests equality of opportunity. But when you dig beneath the surface of the policy, no, it's dependent on, again, maternal transfer. So it's still based on that historical focus on maternity rights. And if we look at another kind of element to the leave, and I mentioned eligibility when I was talking about the different the maternity and parental leave rights in the UK. So eligibility is a key kind of factor as well and a barrier. So eligibility to well-paid leave is dependent, as I said, on continuous employment service. So that means if, for example, you're on precarious contracts and you're moving between one contract and another, and you don't have that continuous service with one employer, you might not be eligible to that well-paid leave. So this is really important thinking about that kind of intersectionally with other factors such as gender. And we think about our sector, university sector, you know, there's a very high proportion of academics, especially on fixed term contracts. 
and that leads you know to difficulty with difficulties in terms of planning and that kind of thing family leave family planning so yeah so the uk doesn't have equal entitlement to for both fathers and mothers to take leave but when we can compare it to other countries where there is more equal entitlement it still doesn't necessarily lead to equal take up so it's it's thinking about the cultural norms as well yeah there's some really interesting evidence on this isn't there um and most of the research does suggest that in order to get um, more dads to take up their leave entitlement, it really has to be on a use it or lose it basis because there are so many cultural and employment and social barriers to, to dads wanting to take up leave or feeling able to take up leave that, that unless it's specifically ring-fenced for them with good pay in place, it can be quite difficult for, for some dads to take it up even if they might otherwise want to. So is there another way of thinking about what we're really trying to achieve with our family policy? So so as I mentioned right at the beginning, I'm a PhD student at the University of Leeds and my research focuses on shared parental leave and how parents decide whether they want to share, how they negotiate sharing or not. And in my research, I draw on Nancy Fraser, who does a lot of work around conceptualising social justice. And she questions what gender justice looks like and how it should be achieved. And she does that by conceptualising three models. So there's a model which focuses on equality, so similar to what we've been talking about, and very much saying that as kind of, you know, in different contexts when we apply that model as a focus on equality of opportunities within the employment context and what she terms the universal breadwinner so so getting everyone into employment in contrast to that is a focus on social justice in terms of difference so where in which case you're recognizing different needs of different groups and here recognizing the needs of caregivers and what she terms caregiver parity so you recognize that what she termed feminine life patterns through right to care policies and looking at establishing caregiver parity so so caregiving is recognized on a par with employment, paid employment. And she, what she does is she, in that kind of critique, is she recognises the the intrinsic kind of contradictions in both of those models, that neither model recognises or values caregiving enough to bring men into it. And what we have in, in effect is if we're using a kind of universal breadwinner model, but but we still have caregivers trying to to balance their caregiving and work, is that they end up on a second level, whereas in the family kind of caregiver parity model, we end up exacerbating gendered parenting norms and expectations. So what she proposes is an alternative principle of what she calls universal caregiver, which aims to bring men into care. But the important point is it's not simply about bringing men into care and giving men kind of like that specific leave, maybe the use it or use it or lose it leave. It's about the underpinning kind of normative principles that are aspirational in that they value caregiving and they challenge historic androcentric cultural values. So in my research, which I mentioned, focuses on parents' negotiation, a couple of kind of findings that are coming out of my research are around leave being based on maternal transfer, perpetuating um, assumptions about mothers and fathers' aspirations to share leave or not to share leave, as well as they're not being really changed in the context. The policy doesn't change the risks around taking leave. So whereas mothers have been taking leave and then the consequences on career, as we see in the gender pay gap, giving simply giving men leave doesn't take away those risks. So really, they're ending up sharing the risk. And there's a lot of research that's been done around the impact on 
taking leave on fathers or fathers' reluctance to take leave or be more visible as carers in the workplace because of the potential impact on them. I've, I've seen some research that's looked into comparing leave around Europe and it says that the UK is one of the furthest away from having a universal caregiver model. What, why do you think that is? Well, as it mentioned in that just trying to describe the, the leave offer, you know, we've got a six weeks well-paid leave, which clearly doesn't reflect value attributed to caregiving. It's a relatively short period. And then we've got the stark disparity between that 52 weeks maternity leave and two weeks paternity. So it's a very kind of gendered basis in which the, the leave is framed. So shared parental leave is was introduced in 2015, promoted to give parents increased choice, as I mentioned. But take up is re- really low, approximately about 3% of eligible dads are taking it up. Um, and it's not because they don't wish to share caregiving. You know, there's research that's showing that dads are more and more wanting to take leave and to share that caregiving. But due to barriers such as the finances, so that that low paid element, limited eligibility concerns about impact on fathers' careers. So as I mentioned, it's that risk bit that hasn't been addressed through the policy or the policy implementation. So the cited reasons for low take up for shared parental leave by fathers are effectively the known negative impacts experienced by women on maternity leave and contributing factors to the gender pay gap. So neither maternity leave or shared parental leave values caregiving or challenges the cultural biases. So while on the surface it might look like a shared parental leave might look like a universal caregiver model in its articulation, it's it's got many flaws in terms of actually how the policy looks and is implemented. And that contrast is quite stark when you look at other countries where, you, like you say, there are well-paid, job-protected, use it or lose it, non-transferable leave, which goes alongside the proactive promotion of active fathering to increase take-up, um, which has contributed to reducing the negative impact on maternity leave as well and reducing the gender pay gap. It's evidenced in other countries. So what would a practical solution look like to to try to improve things? So obviously there's the kind of looking at the policy and there's there's a lot of campaigns, various campaigns calling on the government to improve the policy. And they did do a consultation that was a couple of years ago on the shared parental leave policy. But I can't see it's likely to see a shift in the in the near future and because UK statutory well-paid leave is relatively short there's a as I mentioned earlier a reliance on enhancement by employers so I think there's a lot that employers can do in terms of enhancing longer well-paid leave the issue with that obviously is that we have considerable variability between employers in the UK. But if we look at recent benchmarking reports, so we can see that approximately 48% of the responding employers in now enhanced shared parental leave, which nearly doubled from 25 in 2017. And employers are increasingly enhancing and actually offering equalised parental leave. And in terms of thinking about that eligibility criteria, we've and you know the barriers that that creates to to eligibility to parental leave so in the again thinking about the university sector a number of universities have actually started changing that parental leave um, eligibility to be a day one right so for example Newcastle Oxford Cambridge and then there's there's more to do as well around the cultural side and the employer implementation around making these policies more accessible and raising awareness of entitlements 
And there's a big kind of role that culture has when we think about that, you know, the risks that are experienced by people taking leave around career impact on career, for example. I like the the work that Charlotte Fairclough does. So she does some work on intensive parenting and what she describes as motherhood's kind of put up on this pedestal where it's almost put up as a sacred endeavour, but that's in the workplace, it's not valued to that same level. So that kind of real stark, the kind of ironic contrast there, a pressure to take the leave, but it's not valued. And we too often hear comments and prejudice in the work context, which devalues caregiving. Um, you know, we're prioritising time with baby, the baby, your newborn is positioned in direct, direct conflict with work, risks employment security and career progression, prejudice against mothers and fathers in the workplace. And things like saying, well, you know, it's down to, to choice to have a child, but but not supporting parents and, and valuing the, the importance of that time off. So an equity approach would really look to be removing the structural barriers arising from that binary kind of gendered leave framework around valuing what what parents are doing when they're taking that time off, making it more visible and making it okay to be more visible um, and reducing the risks associated with taking leave. And, and really an equity underpinned approach to parental leave not only gives employers a strategy to tackle gender pay gap, for example, but it's around well-being, like you mentioned, Emily, and provides employer strategies around recruitment and retention and, and those kind of areas as well. So lots of reasons for doing something about this and lots of opportunities as well. Thanks so much, Claire. That's been so interesting. There's so much to think about here, you know, not only for governments, but also for employers and, and also so for families as well. It's been a great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact details are on the podcast website. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for hosting and goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.